spine chillers and serial killers. I'm Rebecca. I'm Tash. And I'm Emma. Hello! Hi! I don't know, sometimes I introduce myself as Rebecca and then sometimes as Becky, so... It is the same person, though. It is the same person. I'm pretty sure people would have worked that one out, as (laughs) Becky doesn't sound anything like Emma or Natasha, so... (laughs) (laughs) And also, it's not like people don't call themselves Becky when they're called Rebecca. Rebecca's more formal. It is. Yeah. So I'd like to start by apologising for my uh, story and the way that I told it last week. I wasn't very well and I I kept slurring my words and so I do apologise for... If you could understand everything that I said, well done, because we didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, that's completely false. You shouldn't be apologising. You podcasted when you were like full of fever, like drunk with COVID. There's not a lot of people who would have done that. That got you brownie points. You mixed up a few words, so what? Still made sense. I was telling Tash earlier, I, the week that I had COVID, I just can't remember anything. So I think the fever didn't help. No. Did you, Tash, you've listened to the podcast that I'm yeah, about to it publish. Yeah, there was a couple of bits that were a bit like, are you okay, hon? But, <laughs> um, but fine. You know, the gist is there. The... Uh, the- yeah. The main thing I found was just the missing, like, letters off words or getting the wrong, you know, instead of saying morning, you'd say warning. But people get the idea. (laughs) Yeah, it literally is like a little bit like a couple of times I thought, has she been to the dentist? You know, when you like can't move, (laughs) (laughs) you know, when you can't open your mouth properly. Yeah, I think my nose was blocked, my brain was foggy and my mouth didn't work. I will put a little bit, I'll put a disclaimer, just in case that's the first episode somebody listens to and they think, oh God, is she a bit, (laughs) (laughs) is she okay? (laughs) I actually think we're blaming it on the COVID, but Becky trips up on words quite a lot. Yeah, like whale way. Oh bless, like whale way. (laughs) (laughs) But listen, in everyday life, when do you read through five to six pages of text that you've written down and also becky when do you ever like have full-on english conversations Mm, at work i do but it's like just for work just i don't talk to them about murder that'd be weird not very professional you mean you don't talk about murder at work only with my favorite customers (laughs) (laughs) and they never come back (laughs) oh so what have you got for us this week right well this week I um I've been wanting to do this one for a long time but it wasn't finished. The trial wasn't that long ago. Oh, a nice recent one for you there, Emma. They're the best ones. Your favorite, I believe. Yeah. So sorry, I'll do an old one next week. I I said I just prefer when they're dead. I know that sounds horrible. Like, not the victims, obviously, <laughs> but the murderers. I just prefer it when it's like old and like they're dead. And we don't have to worry about them anymore. Yeah. Or, or or they're really old and rotten in prison. They're not yeah. now. Or they've already had their sentence. Yeah. yeah. No, this isn't the case. Uh, when did you um? When did you leave France, Tash? What year? Hold on. No. 2016. It'll be six years this September. Because I wasn't sure whether you would have heard this one then. So I think it happened... Yeah, well, it happened in 2017. Right. So it is... 
pretty recent. You had your second daughter at the same, more or less the same time as I had my first. So I got married in 2015. We then left, we left France for England in 2016, divorced in 2017. Yeah, 2016, I moved back to the UK. Good riddance. I mean, maybe let's not put this bit in because he might listen to the podcast. <laughs> He absolutely does not listen to the podcast. <laughs> oh, oh God, imagine if he does. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> imagine. God, turn this off, Ben, you loser. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> God. I don't know whether I really want you to leave this in or not now. <laughs> and just to clear something up. Asha's ex-husband is called Ben. My actual husband is called Ben. Not the not same the person. Same man. <laughs> not, no, not the same not person. The same and our Bens are not the same. They're all different, separate Bens. There are lots of different types of Bens. <laughs> I've yeah. got a nice one. Just imagine if he's listened, Tash, and he's heard about the high fives. <laughs> he'll be like, she never did that with me. <laughs> Mate, you were lucky if you got it. I bet he was really sad that he never got one. Do you know what? I literally just said to a friend, um... I was texting them and I was like, oh, I'm off to go and embarrass myself um, on my podcast for my mum to listen to next week. And here we are. <laughs> but you haven't. You haven't. No? Well, I just referred to my shit sex life with my ex-husband, so... Well, that, the only one that should be embarrassed about that is your ex-husband, so... Maybe if we had high-fived, we would have survived. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Moving on, well, I can still speak. Right, so this case is one of the biggest cases in France at the minute. It's a really, really big case. I'm sure you would have heard of it, um, Emma. Uh, but Tash, if you weren't in France at the time, Maybe probably not. not. Go on. The case subject is subject to a very significant media coverage, which was uh, somewhat comparable to uh, the Gregory case in the 1980s. Oh, is that the one that was on Netflix about the little boy? I've refused to watch that. I can't. Yeah, I, I didn't get all the way through it because it was sad. I don't think I've seen that. I hate cold cases. You never find out who it is. There's a big suspicion of who it is, but you don't fully know who it is. And I, I can't be doing with that. I need I need closure yeah. at the end. And also kids, man. Just don't. And also don't, kids. Don't mess with kids or cats. Don't mess with kids. So... Saying that, this is about a child. Oh, right. This is about... <laughs> Yours was horrible, Emma. Don't say anything. Yours was a baby. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was pretty bad. It was good, though. Don't shag your dad. <laughs> if you do, use a condom. <laughs> no, just don't do it. Don't do it. I haven't actually dared post that um, clip on, on Twitter. Don't shake your dad. What? Oh, I, I posted it on a thread. Somebody was asking, what's the best advice you've ever given in your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> don't I've, um, I've posted, don't shake your dad. Yeah? I put it on Instagram, yeah. Oh, great. My stepdad approved. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> God. I'm trying to think if I posted it on TikTok or not. We're not having much love on TikTok, people. Please, can you find us on TikTok and just give us some love? 
Give us some love. Not that we're needy or anything, but <laughs> do it now. Yeah, we we are needy. Don't lie. Um, I actually heard and this is a bit of uh, podcaster advice that people are so used to hearing, you know, like, review, subscribe, that they just don't do it anymore. So we've got to think of, like, new innovative ways of saying it. Like, <laughs> let me some sugar. I am your neighbour. <laughs> rate it, rate it, rate it. Uh-oh. Is that not the best song ever? Yeah. Hey. If that doesn't get you dancing, I don't know what will. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, this uh, case is really, really, really big in France. And I actually tried to find a... English speaking podcast that has covered this case yet, and I have found none. So we might even be the first in the English language that's covered in this case. Go on, my girl. Boom. Original content, people. Anyway, I translated a lot of this, so I really hope that it reads well in English because you know what it's like when you're so used to speaking French and that you have to try and translate it. You could barely speak this week, so you thought, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll give myself a challenge. I'll translate this entire story. Yeah, but when I was translating, it was just on the computer, not speaking. Do you type, Do you say the words out loud as you type? No. No, no. <laughs> yes, you do. No, there was no. a pause there. <laughs> I don't even know what the question is. <laughs> She's asking me, do I speak out loud when I type? Some words you must do, but not always, not everything. Only when I'm trying to spell Wednesday, I'll be like, Wednesday. Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) And biscuit, biscuit. (laughs) (laughs) Or because, you know, the rhyme for because. Big elephants always need... Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Always you, big elephants. (laughs) I can't remember the rhyme. Big elephants always use small exits. There you go. Oh, is that what it is? When, what, since when does beautiful uh-huh. has, have an S in it? Did you say beautiful or because? Oh, because. Sorry, I was thinking of beautiful. I said because. <laughs> God, it's late. <laughs> Do you not want to hear my rhyme for beautiful? Right, go on then. What's your rhyme? <laughs> Bad eggs are useful to injured, fat, ugly ladies. Where <laughs> <laughs> the fuck That's does really that come mean from? And fat phobic. Oh, I have never heard that ever in my life. I was taught that as a child. Don't blame me. By who? I don't know. My teachers. <laughs> Say it again. What was it? Big eggs. Bad, bad eggs. eggs are useful. <laughs> in <laughs> injured fat ugly ladies <laughs> that is atrocious to say it doesn't even make sense right this case becky so this uh, story is the kidnap and, and murder of Mylis de arjou arjou i've never but heard anyway, of it they always just call her Mylis in the um in the press, they never refer to her on it with her second name. Okay. Well, Mylis was the second daughter of Joachim and Jennifer de Arjou. She was born on the 5th of September 2008 in bourgoin jailleux in the Isère region of France. 
Um, Miley's was a beautiful little girl with brown eyes, olive skin, and long, dark brown hair. I can spell beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that sound? Someone made a fart noise with their throat. <laughs> and it went on forever. <laughs> I was just, I was trying not to laugh. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> just came out. <laughs> right, sorry, Becky. Um, it's because it's getting later, and we're just getting silly now. Um, so Miley's also had an older sister called Colleen. On Saturday, the twenty seventh of August, two thousand and seventeen, the Miley's family attended a cousin's wedding at the village hall in the Pont de Beauvoisin village in the Isère region. There were 182 guests That's a big at wedding. the wedding. Miley's wore a pretty white dress and her mother snapped a few photos of her and her sister at the wedding. The wedding reception went as usual, you know, how it is. Well, I'll just explain quickly how a typical French wedding is in France for everyone else. Uh, in France, a wedding... You tend to have the, the, if there's a church wedding, you have that in the morning, usually. And then you go and do the rest in, in the mayor's office, the actual legal wedding side. Then you all go back to either a village hall or wherever you've, whatever venue you've you've got. Then they have a, a, a meal that lasts frigging hours. Uh, so long. Hours and hours. And then you play games as well throughout oh, the meal, which makes it longer. Worst nightmare. Those bloody He's getting picked for games. the games. Oh my, yeah. my worst nightmare. Yeah, but I saw somebody on Instagram, an English couple, they played games at their weddings, wedding and I was really shocked. Did you play games at your wedding, Bex? A couple, yeah. Not too many. I was like, no, I don't want loads because the meal lasts for ages. <clears throat> They're so embarrassing. Yeah. You did Mr. and Mrs. And Mr. and Mrs., didn't you, Becky? Oh, that's not yeah. too bad. It's like the one where you turn the thing, either yeah, the him or her. Yeah. 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 That's not yeah, too bad. That's not too bad. Uh, just for info, I wasn't at Becky's wedding because at the time I was breastfeeding uh, my second child and it would have just been an absolute nightmare. Not because Becky hates me and didn't invite me. Just to clear that no. up. And it was two and a half hours away from where you were living. Yeah. So you'd have had to have stayed somewhere different with a brand new baby and it, you wouldn't have slept. It would have been a nightmare. It, it, um, and she was a beast who needed breastfeeding every 20 minutes. It would have, it just would have been horrendous. Yeah. Becky you still have loves made it me. The meal because, um, as typical French weddings go, I think we the actual the disco bit, the music, the dancing started at about midnight. Yeah, uh, which is really the norm in French weddings. Yeah, the, yeah, um, yeah. You, you're um, at the table eating for hours and hours and drinking, and then there's there's all these games, and then they start the dancing after midnight it's never before it's really really rarely before and then it goes it goes on quite often till about five in the morning and that's whole families with their kids that's quite standard across the board in any french social situation though isn't it any french gathering yeah. in any way the so like kids, if there's... you don't go home early because of your kids the kids just have to live with you know, sleeping on a chair until 5am yeah Anyway, so I'll just, um, just for what I'm going to go into later, 
when it gets to like 3am and stuff and there's still kids everywhere that's a normal french thing there's kids running everywhere all the time in and out of the building running around everywhere everyone's trying to keep an eye on your own kids um but everyone's doing the same thing you know you can't have your eye on them all yeah, the time it's just very normal for french that's how they yeah. socialize and it's just very standard Wow, I just realised that. I don't think I put her, her age in. She's I was eight, just about to ask how old. old she was. Eight. Yeah, because I think I put her date of birth. So at the time, she was eight. So she was doing the thing that kids normally do at weddings. They leave the table, go and play with friends, come back, leave the table, come back, go leave the table. You know how it is. So her parents were keeping an eye on her. Um, but they were at their cousin's wedding. They knew a lot of the people there. You feel relatively safe. They're in with all their cousins, with all their friends. Miley's came back at one point and said, my friend over there wants to show me his dogs. So her mum kind of finds that a bit weird. Why would there be dogs at a wedding? So she looks over and Miley wasn't pointing to someone her age. She was pointing to like a 30-ish year old guy who didn't even look dressed up enough for a wedding. He was just in them, you know, them white, is it Bermuda shorts? Them kind of cut off trousers. Yeah. Yeah. And big baggy trousers and like a blue t-shirt. So Miley's mother, Jennifer, asked what she meant by that. And Miley said that he's been showing her pictures of the dogs on the phone. And that's what he meant. So Miley's mum thought that was a little weird, but was happy that Miley's wasn't trying to leave the venue with this guy. It was just, he was showing her pictures on the phone. The celebration went on. The wedding cake was cut in the early hours of the morning. Jennifer gave her daughters some wedding cake. Unbeknownst to Jennifer, this giving the cake to her daughter would be the last time that she'd ever speak to her properly and interact with her. And after the cake... Uh, was cut and eaten they all took to the dance floor a video would later be released where we can see Miley dancing in the arms of her dad singing the I Got a Feeling song by Black Eyed Peas what a great song yeah good and song just after 3am Jennifer realised that she'd lost sight of Miley and hadn't seen her in a few in a 10 minutes quarter of an hour um, so she asked her sister, Corinne, to see if she'd seen her, and she had a look around and said no, she hadn't seen her. She asked her husband to see if he'd seen her anywhere on the dance floor or anything, and he said no as well, so they started looking for her. They couldn't find her anywhere, they really looked everywhere, so they asked the DJ to call for her over the microphone, in case she was just outside or something or messing around with some of her friends. Um, so that's when all the guests start looking for her everywhere. And this goes on for nearly an hour. Oh, my God. Just at 3.57am, they contact the gendarmerie, so the local police. And at that time, they didn't know if she got lost in the nearby forest, whether she had been in an accident, whether she'd ran away, or whether she had, in fact, been abducted. They searched the nearby forest, checked the hospitals, and she was just nowhere to be found. It's your worst nightmare, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Just just turns your stomach. It's horrible. You can't even imagine it, can you? Frantic. You lose sight of them really quickly. I mean, it happens so fast. And you just think at a cousin's wedding that you'd you were pretty safe because there's all the other kids there. There's everyone else. One hundred. Well, there's your whole family. Yeah. 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 
police um, are pretty suspicious pretty quickly and they put out an a, um, alert enlèvement, which is the French version of like an amber alert. Then the her parents do a press conference. It catches the media attention pretty quickly, actually. it Her photo was everywhere. I think this was by the Monday. It happened on the Saturday night. And then by the Monday, it was everywhere all over the news. Despite this nationwide search now and heartbreaking press conference from her parents asking her to come home, um, Miley's was, was not found. There were a few false sightings, but they just ended up to be kids that looked like her. Mm. If you think how many kids that are kind of got tan skin with brown hair and brown eyes in France, that's like nearly all of the f- kids in France. So please start going through the guest list. They're not necessarily looking for someone that was unknown to Miley's because as, as in a lot of cases with children that are abused or are hurt, it's actually by people that they know. Mm-hmm. So they weren't necessarily looking for someone that she didn't. But then they came across someone that was invited really last minute, a guy called Nordal Lelandé. Uh, he got himself invited to the wedding days before the wedding because he texted the groom to say congratulations on the wedding. So they invited him to the Vin d'honneur, yeah. which... I don't know. What is that? The reception? Yeah, just the, the reception. Like the drinks. Before it's the like meal. the drinks, isn't it? So it's like um, the bit between the ceremony and the meal. Yeah, it's the people that you like, but you don't really want to pay for the meal. Yeah, kind of thing. That's what I'd find in France. Or like a lot it's of people, people do that with their colleagues. They'll invite their colleagues to the Van Dunel, but not the actual whole wedding. It's the people you know but aren't really good friends with, but it's kind of polite to invite them. Yeah. Yeah. Or that you've known for years and haven't really been in contact recently, which is the case here. So in in the UK, what we would do, you'd invite them to the reception, but because the meal goes on for so long in France, you can't really do that because you don't know when the meal's going to end. So instead, you invite them in, like, the late afternoon. Yeah, it's like after the... Um, actual uh, vows and that. Yeah. And the actual wedding. It's just for a drink with everyone and then you go home afterwards. Anyway, so this Le Londé, so he, because he texted, he just uh, got the invite pretty quickly. He didn't look for it. Um, And while he was there, it must have been nice to see him because groom said, well, if you want, come back for dessert. So Lalandi, he went to a nearby party with some of his friends. And then he came back for dessert afterwards. Yeah. Which I think is why he wasn't in typical wedding attire. He wasn't wearing like a nice shirt and trousers or or anything. He was just wearing like random, normal, everyday stuff. So who's this Nordal Lalandi? He was born on February 18th, 1983 in the Boulogne area of France. He is the son of Jean-Pierre and Christiane Lelandé. He owes his Scandinavian first name to the fact that his father worked in Finland for a long time for a Finnish company. And his younger brother, he's also called, his older brother, he's called Sven as well. So it's Nordal and Sven. So it's pretty... 
not very common French names. Mm-hmm. The family moved to the Savoie area of France shortly after Nardal was born. At school, he was known to be a compulsive liar. Oh, he sounds nice. <laughs> it's a good thing to be known for, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and none of the none of the um, sources went much more into that. They just was like, oh yeah, he was a compulsive liar and then didn't give me any examples. So, After being sent to boarding school by his parents, it came out that many students in that particular school were being sexually abused by staff. Oh. Um, Nardel shows... Like, I'll probably call him Nardel sometimes and Le Londe at others. It's just... Uh, I suppose different sources and stuff. I mixed it up. So, Le Londe shows all the signs of post-traumatic stress, including unexplained crying spells, but he categorically denies being abused. He failed his exams at school. He did a baccalaureate. So he failed that. So he enrolled in the army. The particular unit he enrolled in had the largest kennel in Europe and provides army and police dogs to all of French units. He was appointed corporal in 2003, mm-hmm. but he was discharged due to psychological disorders, and he was dis- yeah he was discharged in 2005. Uh, when he was discharged, his dogs that he was looking after and was training were left to him as well. So So he took his dogs with him? He took his dogs with him, yeah. He returns to the um, area where he grew up and he launches unsuccessfully into dog training before changing completely and and just doing various small jobs like seasonal jobs and stuff. So out of everyone there, Le Londe was the only real suspect the police had. They they questioned, they didn't arrest another 34-year-old man, but nothing came out of it. His um, alibis were pretty solid. So the police really started looking into Le Londe and evidence started stacking up against him. When police interviewed the guests and the newlyweds and the parents... The groom in particular said that there were a number of warning signs with Lelande's behaviour when he returned to the wedding after after the meal. He disappeared just before Maïs went missing and came back wearing different shorts to what he'd left in. Suspicious. Suspicious. He said that he'd spilled wine and was sick <clears throat> on the other pair. Oh, Which, yeah. That old chestnut. That... that that can that can happen. It can happen. Did yeah. it happen though? I don't think so. And then when the police did turn up, he just disappeared. He was like, nope, and was out of there just before they uh, just before they turned up. Which is weird because if a little girl goes missing and you have trained police dogs at home, and you're a dog trainer, do you not think that maybe you could like help? help a little bit yeah you were talking to that little girl earlier in the day and her mum saw you speaking to her the day after the wedding he was spotted at a car wash cleaning his car car's gotta be washed which isn't suspicious in itself but it kind of is 
a little bit, but he was mad about cars, apparently. His car was always clean. It got a little bit suspicious when police looked at CCTV (laughs) and they saw him meticulously cleaning his car for over two and a half hours. Yeah, that's not right. It had later come out that he spent a total of over four hours cleaning his vehicle using really strong chemicals and cleaning stuff. Mm-hmm. He's a creep. They really start looking into him and they, they're really, really suspicious. And he's com- how he is, it's really weird and cagey. They seized his computer and they'd later seize his phone and they found hundreds and thousands of child porn images on his phone and his computer. What is it with these men? Like, I don't get it. I don't get the child porn thing. I don't know how you can look at a child in that way. It's so fucking weird. It's so fucked up. Just is, isn't it? Um, he also, they also looked at his record and he was charged with arson when he was, uh, in his teens with two friends. He'd burnt down a restaurant. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. And they, uh, no one was hurt, but he was sentenced to a year in prison, but it got turned over and it was changed to a suspended sentence. So he didn't actually serve time. Oh, but how many the of these fucking stories where it's arson and, like, kiddie porn, and it all starts from there? All starts from that, doesn't it? Oh, it's awful. On the night of Miley's disappearances, they looked at the CCTV of all the surrounding area. Uh, CCTV picked up a black Audi A3, which is very similar to Lulonze's vehicle, uh, driving through the area... Uh, around th- uh, just before 3am. So at 2.46am, Nordel Lelande put his phone on aeroplane mode. Suspicious. Very suspicious. At 2.47am, his vehicle, a black Audi A3, was filmed on a CCTV camera at the centre of Pont de Beauvoisin. So that was in the village where the wedding was. In front of the vehicle, a small frail figure apparently a child or someone um, that was small with brown hair who was dressed in a white dress was on the front passenger seat you could see this it was a really grainy image but you could definitely see someone was sat there and they were really small right in a white dress and there's not many people i mean even in france i don't find the white dress to a wedding isn't really much of a rule as it as it is in other countries but, like, kids get away with it, but, like, an adult wouldn't. Yeah. So if he's leaving a, wed- leaving a wedding with someone in a white dress, I just think it can well, only be the I mean, it's, the bride you know, it's all pointing to girl. being her, isn't it? Yeah, so at 2.47, they see him go one way. At 3.24, the vehicle is seen again coming the opposite direction, so coming back to the venue. At the same video camera... Except for this time, he's alone in the car, there's no one else with him. Lelande absolutely denied ever having Miley's anywhere near his vehicle. He didn't take her out anywhere. He just went to change his shorts. I think he's so, in. So who did he say was in the car with him? He just said it was a, a blur. You couldn't absolutely tell. 
Who is going home, changing their shorts and then coming back out? Because I'm telling you, anywhere past 10 o'clock, if I'm going home to change something, that's me done. I'm not then rejoining the party. If I'm going home to change my heels, I'm lying. I'm not coming back. Yeah. <laughs> so this was all over the news. The, the whole, you know, they showed the car on the CCTV. They showed these grainy Im- images of my lease. So while they were building their case against Nalda Lelande, another police station heard about this car and they'd actually seen this car on the CCTV in a missing persons case that they had been investigating. Um, so four months before Miley's disappearance, on the night of the 11th of April 2017, Ar- Arthur Noyer was a 25, no, 23-year-old army corporal at the Chambéry military base. He was out that night partying with friends. He got a little bit drunk, how's you do? And, you know, when you, uh, do you do that thing when you're drunk where you decide to go on a little adventure by yourself and start walking around? I mean, I do that and go home because I want to change my shoes and then don't come back out, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is what he he tried to do. He got a bit drunk. He was like, no, yeah, I'll I'll catch up with you later. No, actually, I'm going to go home. So what he did, though, is he tried to hitch a ride home. So it was one of the main roads going through Chambéry. But again, that's not that's not abnormal in France. Like, people do pick up hitchhikers. Like, that's pretty... Mm. Like, it's not unheard of, is it? Yeah. Yeah, so people had actually seen him trying to hitch a ride. No one had seen him get into a car. Uh, but that was the last time that anyone saw him. He was um, quite close to his parents. He messaged them a lot. And um, when they didn't hear from him, they came back from... They'd gone on away for the weekend and they came They came back really quickly because they lived in the same town and tried to find him and they couldn't find him anywhere. And, um, you know, him disappearing is quite a bad thing when you're in the military. Cause it... But you're classed as AWOL, aren't you? And then you, you get put in yeah. military prison, can't you? Poor Arthur's parents released a really heartbreaking statement trying to get his disappearance out there and in the media because unlike Miley's, you know, when it's a kid, it kind of gets in the news a lot more. Yeah. And uh, it didn't really gain much traction and the the trail just went cold because that's where it ended. He went and hitchhiked and then just disappeared. No sign of him. No sign that he came back to home. No one's using his card. He's just disappeared. So they see Le Landais car on CCTV in the same area on the same night. So they brought him in for questioning and he denied ever meeting Arthur, ever seeing him. And then by this time, um, with the Miley's case, they'd already gained access to his phone and his phone records. So they had a look at the dates where Arthur went missing. And they actually found that Arthur's phone and Lulonde's phone went on the exact same route at the same time, so they'd have to have been together in the same car because they were both pinging at Mm -hmm. exactly the same time. So in September 2017, a skull was discovered in a grassy area near Chambéry and it would be later confirmed to be Arthur's remains. So they now have proof that he's dead because... He was still just a missing person. They 
didn't, they suspected foul play, but they didn't have any evidence towards it. You know, he was 23 yeah. and he was an adult. You can just get fed up and move away, you know. Yeah. On the 5th of February, he would finally, because it takes friggin' ages to confirm, because it's France, it takes ages to confirm that that skull is actually Arthur's because there's a million other cases before it. So by the time it gets to that, it's months, it takes months for them to decide that it was Arthur's. I mean, I think it would take mon- months anywhere, to be honest, Bex. I think, especially if it's a skull, like, there's a lot of... Um, yeah, probably probably a little bit well, unnecessary. You know, you can't identify <laughs> them, can you? Um, but it just drags everything on. On the 5th of February, Lelande would finally admit to picking Arthur up, but he said that he only dropped him off at neighbouring town. He just dropped him off because that's all he... He was going to a friend's house afterwards. Meanwhile, forensic testing on Lelande's car... For the Miley's case, so this, these were going on parallel because they were both working their cases at the same time. So it only happened; they only happened four months apart. So all the forensic CSI guys were going over Lalonde's car, and they found a really tiny drop of blood. And DNA would confirm that it is in fact Miley's blood. So, literally the same day, he's fucked now. On the 14th of February, February 2018, Lulande would finally admit to killing Miley's. Just because he admitted it doesn't mean he told the truth about it. He really downplayed everything. He said that he they decided that they were both going to leave out of separate exits so that they could go to his car without them leaving together. So that's instantly shady. One shady number one, you don't Absolutely invite weird. a kid. No matter what your intentions, you don't invite a kid without the kid's mother being there. It's just fucking weird. You don't do that. You don't take a kid off by itself and say, Oh, don't tell your mum. That's just, it's no nothing good'll ever come out of that. I just nah. Nope. A normal person wouldn't even think to do it because they know that it's inappropriate and wrong. And then he told her to leave out of a separate exit to him. So they both got in the car, apparently to go and see his dogs. Your dog's asleep at that time of the night, mate. Your dog doesn't want to see you. I think it's because it was like a police dog and she must have thought it was really cool. I mean, you know what kids are like. Listen, I get up in the night for a wee. My dog looks at me like I'm a piece of shit (laughs) because I'm disturbing her. She doesn't want me to pet her. Yeah. Um... So he took her in his car and they set off to go and see his dogs. On the way, I think Miley realised something was not right. She realised something was wrong. She panicked and started crying. He said he slapped her and she hit her head on the car window and that must have killed her. No, that's not what happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, he downplays He's a liar. All the time. What he did now is he'd lead investigators to a ravine where he'd thrown her body. So when he disappeared, changed his shorts and shit, he'd actually disposed of her already. He did kill her in the car. Um, He just killed her instantly then? We don't know. He doesn't admit. He says that there wasn't a sexual motive. 
but there really, there was, but I'm not sure if she panicked too much before anything could happen and he killed her first. We don't know the absolute everything, so he didn't admit to everything. He just killed her instantly then? Yeah. So this was in February, and then in this area of France, it does snow quite a lot, and it was in this ravine, and it was really harsh conditions and stuff, so it made finding her difficult, but they did eventually start coming across her remains, which were bone by then, uh, because she hadn't actually been buried. He just chucked her down this ravine like she was a, like she was nothing. Fucking piece of shit. That's, yeah. But that's murderous for you, isn't it? What pisses me off, though, is, like, acting like you didn't do it on purpose and then you chuck the fucking body away like a paper bag. Like, if... if like, yeah. oh, it just annoys me. But say I'm in this position and I've killed somebody accidentally. Do you know the first fucking thing that I'm doing? You call the old Bill, don't you? I'm I'm calling the cops like, and saying, get get the fuck here. There's been an accident. I, yeah. I'll call an ambulance and be like, I think I've accidentally killed someone. And you try and get them help first. I'm definitely not throwing bodies in ravines. That's definitely not what I'm doing. And um, the parents would say later that he did this on purpose, chucked her down this ravine where it's in the middle of the countryside and he didn't bury her so that she would, um, so that she'd um, decompose quickly and it'd get rid of all the evidence against him. You know, if it's kind of left out in the open, it disappears quicker. This is a little girl we're talking about. I mean, it's just so sick. Yeah, I don't think they find all of her because of animal activity and stuff. Um, But they find nearly all of her remains, uh, which were, like I say, just bone by then. And um, they still inspected the remains that were there and they could find that, that she wasn't just slapped, she was beaten. And it wasn't just a slap. Like what he's making. Of course, it does. You don't kill someone with a fucking slap. No. And um, when they were looking for his phone earlier, they found images and videos of him abusing his six year old cousin, two little girls. So. And then he says that it's not sexual reason why he took Miley's. I think it definitely was. Whether he got the chance to or not, I don't know. I pray for her that he didn't. Bless her little heart. I think she just fought him a lot harder or screamed or whatever, a lot more than what he thought she was going to do. And and he lost it with her and just killed her. How can you punch a... I don't understand how you can... I'm listening to this story, looking at a portrait of my family um, when we were at Disneyland. My little one, she's six, I think. Yeah, she's six at this point. Well, she's nearly seven. Just thinking, how the fuck... How the fuck could anybody do that? Yeah. Anyway. So that was on the fo- uh, in February. And then on the 29th of March of the same year, he would finally admit to killing Arthur. Again, he'd say that it wasn't his fault, that he didn't mean to do it. You don't accidentally kill two people. Because, I mean, uh, do you know what? I'm 31 and I've not killed anyone yet. Yep, same here. Same yeah. here. So, yeah, he'd, he'd admit, he admitted to killing Arthur... I said that Arthur started a fight with him and then she he punched him a few times and he just collapsed and died. So he got rid of the body as well. 
I just think that's, in four months, that's twice that's happened. He accidentally killed someone. It's not an accident. Yeah. On the 2nd of June, 2018, Miley's funeral was was held. She was buried privately in the town where she lives and around 800 people attended the funeral. In July 2018, a member of the collective, I'm not sure if that was really well, the people that represent the memory of 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 Miley's launched a petition on the web so that Miley's could receive the Legion of Honor award. These requests rarely succeed with people that are already passed because it's quite a, an important award. You don't just give it out to anyone. But in spite of this, they did succeed and she did receive the, the award. The court hearing and well, the whole trial and that sentencing was early this year. It was in it was in January to February of this year, two thousand twenty-two. Yeah. So Nordell appeared before the Assize Isaire Court for kidnapping and murder of Miley's. Uh, but before that, he was put on trial for trial for Arthur Noyal. And um, he received for Arthur, he received a twenty-year sentence. Good, I hope he rocks. And for Miley's, he received life without the possibility of parole, so he should never, ever, ever get out. In the court hearings, it came out that he had actually asked Arthur for sexual favors, and he got—he was like instantly like, "What the fuck?" and um, then so he just beat him to death for it. Uh, but still, we don't know 100% why he kidnapped my niece, but I think we can all guess why he did it. Yeah, we c- Yeah, it's pretty, pretty obvious. But this person did go to a school that was known for abusing kids, so, you know, you don't know what kind of weird fucking fetish he grew up with. Yeah. 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 I'm not excusing him at all. But I'm not as well, that's, it, that's but... two murders in four months. If they didn't find him as quick as they did, he would have definitely would been a serial killer. That was already a double Absolutely. murder. Also, they're looking into this, but at the at the minute, there's not enough evidence for it. Um, there was quite another, quite a few other disappearances in the years before that they looked into him being a part of. So so far they haven't found out uh, anything. I think there was a 15-year-old girl that went missing and uh, she was unfortunately found a few weeks later in a ravine, not buried, same kind of thing. And then there was a, there's other people that just haven't been found and it's quite similar, but, you know, it's not like it has a huge MO, you know. Yeah, he he put, you know, he beat them both to death. Yeah. But it's not something that doesn't, you know, unfortunately a lot of murders are done in that way, so there's not enough to, to connect Beating them to someone Nora. to death. I mean, for fuck's sake. Because that takes effort, doesn't it? He was really you strong. Have, you... He was really fit, like, physically. If you got punched by him, I don't think you would have got back up, you know. But you've got time when you're beating somebody to death to think, actually, I probably... Sh- yeah, probably shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. I'm going to stop. You know. Absolutely. That, it's not 
and the fact that he's going, oh, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. What? Fuck off. Yeah. Apparently, when he led them to Midas's body, because he wouldn't do it for fucking ages. It was months and months. They knew who they they had the right guy straight away. They just needed to get him to admit it. But apparently, when they found Midas's body, he broke down into tears. Apparently, his lawyer said anyway. But part of the lawyer's job is to make them sound a bit more human than they are. He's, there's nothing human about this. He's a monster. Yeah. His, for once, though, his mum wasn't like, oh, my boy never did anything. You know, she said to him, he had a few scratches on him, and she was like, where did you get them from? And he kind of said, oh, you know, it's nothing. And then the police came and asked him about it, and they asked his... He said that he was trimming rose bushes at his mum's, and his mum was like, nope, no, he didn't do that. So, for once, the fucking mum actually helped the police. The coppers. And wasn't just, uh, yeah, all over a boy, pretending that that could never happen. So, yeah, there we are. That's the kidnap and murder of Miley's and Arthur. Well, poor little soul. And poor Arthur. Fuck's sake. I mean, Arthur just looks like the nicest guy in the world. And little Miley's will put a photo on. And uh, I'll put the photo on that they released originally. It was taken at the wedding. Yeah. Just with a little plait in her hair. And she just looks so, so lovely. Innocent. They're innocent. Jesus. Do you know, he's so lucky because I can tell you something. God forbid, if anybody ever did anything like that to either of my kids, I'd kill them. And I'd happily go to prison. Wouldn't regret yeah. it. I'd just sit there happy with myself. I would. I would kill them. Yeah. So the poor, you know, the poor mum. Uh, we've seen her quite a few times. She's on French telly a lot with interviews, and often I have to turn it off because it's just too. It's too much seeing. Yes. Yeah, the parents with, and then the poor sister as well. Um, but the mum said, you know, I had a bad feeling about it. Not bad enough to instantly say no, but she says that she knew, she knew he wasn't it right. Wasn't she right. had a bad, like a mother's instincts, gut feeling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, gut feeling. And she said, when she said, you know, that she was just looking at pictures on her phone, she wished that she'd well, you don't that you don't go anywhere with him. She wished that she'd kind of said that. Oh, I bet. Oh, I bet she's living with that. I mean, oh, bless her. Heart. And um, the dad that they were dancing. And there was a point where she apparently came up to him wanting to dance and that again. But because he'd been carrying her dancing and everything, his arms were a bit sore. Don't know, my arms hurt, I'm not going to dance now. And that was the last thing he said. That's the last thing that he said to her was, no, I don't want to dance. I'm going to sit down. Oh, fuck's sake. But you do, you do. You know, you play with your kids and you're like, I've had enough now. (laughs) Yeah, but and then the the parents... um, Unfortunately, the devastation of losing Miley's has um, taken their toll on their marriage and they're not married anymore. They are divorced. Well, no, it's the often the case, I think. It just yeah. rips people apart. Wait, it's, it's horrendous. Well, thanks for that, Bex. Thanks, Becky. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but it's such a, such a good, um, such a well-known case in France and you just don't see it. On. Well, I'm so glad that they got him and yeah. he's never coming out. Yeah. But, you know, if 
if uh, something happens to him in prison, oh well. Yeah, I hope so. I had, I had fun. I had a dream. <laughs> I had a dream. No, I was going to go with um. I've changed my mind on this subject of this week's podcast three times, right? So okay. The time, <laughs> so the first time I was going to do a poltergeist, a really famous poltergeist in England called the Battersea Poltergeist. And I was researching it and I found a podcast about it done by the BBC Four. Yeah. And they did a whole series on it and they actually had um, the woman... It, I think the case happened. They actually the, had the poltergeist on it. <laughs> as a guest, no. The, I think the case happened around the fifties, and so the lady now is, you know, the the the, the little girl at the time is now quite elderly. Mm. She was on the podcast, and anyway, yes, as I said, the, they made a series out of it. It was brilliant and horrifying, and I thought there's no fucking way I can do better than this. So I'm not going to do it. Okay. So if you guys want to know about the the Battersea Poltergeist, which I, you know, thoroughly recommend, go and look up the Battersea Poltergeist uh, podcast series by BBC Four. Okay. It's absolutely brilliant. So then I found another Poltergeist story and I got all my notes ready and everything. And I was like, right, this is great. I'm going to do it. But... I have done quite a few poltergeists and hauntings and, you know, spooky stuff recently. And I just so happened to fall on another page that started talking about something else that was really interesting. So I thought, actually, I'll keep these notes and I'll do this one instead. So that's, you're not getting a poltergeist this week. Oh, okay. So you'll be getting a poltergeist next week. Okay, cool. Also, the fact that whilst I was researching the poltergeist story that I wanted to do, my wardrobe fell apart in front of my eyes, just as I was like reading how poltergeists bang and make loud noises and stuff. And then, and yeah, you were like, my wardrobe. It's a no from me. Yeah, I was like, yeah, and nope, we're not going to do like, it. Stop giving away our secrets. <laughs> no, I think it's just. I think it's just because I've got a horrendous amount of clothes, personally. But anyway, and the picture um, that you sent, there was a, like you say, a horrendous amount of clothes that were on the floor. Well, it's because I'm one of those people that's either really, really fat or really, really skinny. So I never throw anything out because I yo-yo back and forth and think, okay, well, I don't fit in this anymore, but one day I probably will. Yeah. And then when I've lost the weight, I'm like, well, I'm not going to throw this away because I know I'm just going to get fat again. So. <sighs> Yeah, double the clothes. And I've never got anything to fucking wear, which is really irritating. Life story, mate. (laughs) (laughs) So, right, the thing that I've found to talk about is really weird, and I've absolutely no explanation for it. And there's quite a lot of science behind it. Quite a lot of clever talk behind it. I'm not going to do any of that because I'm not even going to pretend that I understand it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm basically Thank talking you, about. Ta- I don't think I'd understand it either. <laughs> no, t- and to be honest, who gives a shit? Reading about it, oh, I don't really care. Yeah. So, yeah, we're talking about time slips. Anybody heard of time slips? What, like time traveling or like parallel universes? It's it's. All of the things, all of those. Okay. 
Okay, so a time slip is basically when somebody, for a short amount of time, slips unintentionally. <laughs> On a banana skin. <laughs> oh my god. Tash. That was shit. Apologise now. It made me laugh, so no. <laughs> so, yeah, it's when somebody, for no reason at all, slips into, most of the time, the past. Okay. We're going to see that it's not always the case. And then, just as quickly as they slipped in, they slip back out again. So is it like... I don't know if you've told us about this or whether I've watched something else or read something recently where they turn the corner, they're walking down a street, they walk down every single day, they turn the corner, all of a sudden they're no longer down their street, but it is their street, but it's hundreds of years before. Yep, that's pretty much it. And Tasha's just told my entire story, so we might (gasps) as well just... (laughs) Tash... Have you have you just told us about this recently? We spoke no, about No, not at all. I must have not read something then. Yeah, so ba- that's exactly what it is, oh, Tash. edit it is. out if you want, babe. No, it's fine. It's fine. Who gives a fuck? It's oh, fine. I feel mean. Uh, but I found it really interesting because... Oh, so interesting. Do you remember when we did the Chateau de Fougere and when I did uh, oh, what was the other one that it happened to? It was the Conjuring House, the Arnold Estate when all of a sudden it kind of felt like the people that were living in the house were the ghosts yeah. like the ghosts were picking up on them and they were like, what the fuck are you doing in my house? Do you remember that? Yeah. Well, it kind of makes me wonder if this is not that kind of thing Yeah. You know that they're kind of slipping into the past and, like, nobody's a ghost, but it's like two different times are colliding, yeah. kind of. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I think so. Yeah. Didn't so it's very well strange. Yeah. In Go the on. hall that you used to live next to. Exactly. Do you remember me telling you about that little boy that was dressed up like a stable boy? Yeah. That, that like 50 people saw yeah yeah so what if he wasn't a ghost what if he just slipped into a time slip yeah and he was just walking about and then all of a sudden he wasn't in his time period oh how mad is that and then they saw him vanish but they just you know we were just like oh it's that a ghost maybe but actually explain like why we get deja vu as well like you know when you feel like you're so sure you've seen a situation or you've been somewhere before but like as it is yeah yeah oh yeah 100 percent. it could explain some i mean it could basically explain ghosts yeah. or is, or at least residual energy yeah. like residual hauntings you know the hauntings where the ghosts don't interact, but like you'll see the ghosts do the same thing over and over and over. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, on a certain time every month, there's this lady ghost that walks in front of a window or something. Yeah, that's that's what they call like resi- residual haunting. It's just something that's happening over and over, like an echo that keeps yeah, yeah like an echo. But what if it's this time slip thing? That's so cool. It it 
I mean, you you could go so deep in it. I mean, yeah. I fell down this rabbit hole so deep. But as I say, I'm not clever enough to actually explain it to anybody. But but yeah, so that's what I'm going to talk about. So I'm going to tell you a few stories about this happening to people. Um, so my sources, I actually, I actually got some sources sorted this week. So saucy, go on me. Saucy. Oh, saucy, saucy. <laughs> so I use parascience.org.uk exemplor.com, strangecoblogspot.com, wikipedia, and dailyrecord.com. So thank you for all the information. Thank internet. you. So I'm going to start with one of the, first, the most famous cases. It happened to two ladies in 1901, so a quite, quite a long time ago. Mm. So Charlotte Anne Mobley and Eleanor Jourdain, uh, these are two very educated ladies. Um, I think one was like a vice principal in a university. Uh, not sure what the other did, but, but they were, they were clever, they were clever ladies. And they went, uh, to visit the palace in Versailles in France. Mm-hmm. So they weren't actually from France. I think they were English, actually. So they came to visit Versailles in France and they're walking around. They weren't that impressed with the, the, um, the gardens. They weren't actually impressed with the Chateau de Versailles, really. God, what are they used to? I know, I know. <laughs> so they 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 were walking around the gardens and they were um, looking for a smaller chateau called the Trianon that apparently is in the grounds of Versailles. And they couldn't find it. And they had their little uh, guidebook with them. So they're looking at the guidebook trying to find it. They must be pretty shit if they've lost a chateau. <laughs> I mean, it's a little chateau. Aww. It's only a baby one. So they take a wrong turn, and there's this little lane that they go up, and they go over the bridge. And when they go over the bridge, they both say, like, the atmosphere changed completely. Everything seemed, like, really unnatural. It's hard to describe. They say, like, the trees stopped moving in the wind, and... The, the the sunlight wasn't the same and it was just really really strange yeah neither of them mentioned this to one another but they just kept going down the path they were going they said it was almost like they're in a moving painting that's what it felt oh, like really? like it was yeah it was just like not not real kind of yeah. thing and they saw people and you know going about their business they assumed they were probably gardeners of the chateau the people that they saw were all dressed in old fashioned clothes um kind of do you know like if i say the three pointed hat you do you know what do you know what i mean what like the hat with three points on it do you know what i mean no no oh, um yeah then looks like a yeah it's a triangle <laughs> it's a triangle hat. No. I'll, I'll, oh, for God's sake. I'll send you a photo no, I'm later. I'm sure it's a Tash. lovely hat, but... Who's wearing it? Women or men? Men. Oh, okay. Oh, no, I haven't got the what hat it is then. It's I fun. think it's just called a three-pointed hat. Shall I Google it? I mean, you can. They So they saw some guys in these pointy hats and then they saw a man that was just sat in the garden he was wearing a cloak and a large hat that shaded his face but when he turned and looked at them he was he was covered in scars all over his face like 
identical to anybody who survived smallpox. And they said he was repulsive. They didn't want to go anywhere near him. They 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 felt really quite frightened of him. Oh, like a rude. It's called a tree corn hat. It's a little bit like a pirate hat. Yeah, yeah. a bit like a pirate hat. So they saw this smallpox guy and then they saw a little cottage with a woman handing a jug of something to a young girl outside. Nobody seems to be paying attention really to these two women. That's rude. Um, apart from this apart from this one guy who notices them and you can kind of see him look thinking they don't look right. Mm. So he goes over to them by this tall man with dark eyes and and they say, you know, we're lost, we're trying to find the Petit Trianon, the little Trianon chateau. And he tells them the right road to go on. So they make their way back over to where the bloke tells them to go. And as they're making their way back, they say a li- they see a lady sat in a very old-fashioned dress and an old-fashioned hat, painting. You know, she just sat there with her easel, painting. Yeah. And uh, they later... Because they researched, they researched all this when they got home, but they think that was actually Marie Antoinette. <gasps> That's cool, mm. isn't it? It is. It is. So they got back to the the bridge and the lane, and it, it the atmosphere just returned to normal. And they were actually joined by another large group of tourists, and then they just continued their visit as if like nothing had happened. They didn't talk about it for at least a week, but then they finally decided to kind of say, you know, when we went to Versailles, that was a bit weird, wasn't it? (laughs) And they both kind of agreed that they must have, like, seen some ghosts or, you know, is Versailles haunted or, Mm. you know, that kind of conversation. So... They returned several times to the Trianon Gardens, but they were never, ever able to find the little lane and bridge that had led them to that strange place on their first visit. No, it it just didn't exist anymore. It wasn't there. After extensive research, they think they visited a time around 1792, which is actually only, it was only six weeks before the abolition of the French monarchy. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that didn't end well for anybody, especially not Marie Antoinette. Lots of chopping off heads. But yeah, heads did roll. (laughs) So they believe that the nice lady that was painting was Marie Antoinette and that the smallpox scarred face man was actually a good friend of hers called the Comte de Vaudreuil. Mm -hmm. So the Count of Vaudreuil. So these ladies later wrote a book about their experience called An Adventure, and it was published in 1911. But it was, of course, met with tons of criticism. The event was explained that these two women were lesbians. Fucking lesbians. How dare. I mean, there's no proof that they were lesbians. (laughs) It was explained by the fact they were lesbians. They were, they, well, I mean, yes, because in 1911, you know, being a lesbian is not really the done thing. Nice. And that they were experiencing a type of folie à deux. Mm-hmm. So do you know what a folie à deux is? Yeah. No. Where you both go crazy at once? Yeah, you both basically go into the same type of yeah. psychosis. 
I have found absolutely no evidence that these women were lesbians, by the way. To me, they just sound like Probably good mates some who went on holiday together. Some man was rejected by one of them, and he said, well, you're a lesbian, then, aren't you? <laughs> you know, what, you girls, lesbians? Oh, lesbians? I'd written in my notes, what a surprise, women being told they're mad. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, there, there was a... I can't remember exactly the story, but there was a, a very strange case of a fully ado... And they were French, I think. So is that was, fully uh, adieu? Is that... Is th- things don't get explained, like... That isn't a term used now, is it? Like... A fu- I think it is. It's used in English as well. Yeah, they call it mm. a folie adieu. Yeah. Oh. But a lot of people pronounce it folie adieu. <laughs> you know those weird twins that didn't speak for years and years and had their own special language and, like, were criminals and stuff wasn't that considered what, a fully ado no no not the craze no, they, they, they were the silent twins i think but yeah. they were there i mean i will cover that story another time and i think another case of fully ado was two sisters yeah weren't they maids or something yeah pardon were they maids yeah they were maids in a house and then one day they just had enough of being talked to like shit and like went on a murder spree. <laughs> like yeah, really, yeah. yeah, like really bad, like ripping eyes out yeah, of sockets and stuff. I get it. <laughs> yeah, but, but that was considered a fully ado as well. Uh, yeah. But I don't think in this case it was. No, I don't honest. think so either. Nope. No. Something very strange happened to them. And they couldn't re- recreate it. And, uh, yeah. So, time slip. Yeah. They slipped back in time. And... Slippy, slippy. Slippy, slippy. It's weird, though, that they waited until they got back from the trip and then was like... I mean, that is a bit odd, Actually... isn't it? But sometimes, <laughs> when you're going through a thing, you sometimes just think you're a little bit crazy, don't you? Exactly. You're And, and you're like... Because you're not sure of yourself, it's like, am I just yeah. making this up? Exactly. And, yeah. and then you look over to your mate and she looks fine. And then you're like, I'm just making it up. I'm yeah. just not going to mention it. We had yeah. one too many aperitifs. Exactly. And I think that's exactly what happened. So, you know, I don't know. I think they sl- slipped back in time. Mm. So if it if this was the only story I could find with an event that, you know, similar to this, I'd have probably not bothered talking about it. But the more I looked... The more I found, and there are literally thousands of accounts of people slipping in and out of time, which is so fucking weird. Yeah. And especially, right, <laughs> this, I've no idea why, but apparently there's a, a certain street, a certain place in Liverpool that it happens loads. Mm, I think this is what I've read about. Possibly, possibly, because it has happened tons. I think only two of my stories are in Liverpool, but there were there were like twenty, thirty. Yeah. I don't know. There were tons. If it's just a haunting, yeah. If people are just seeing ghosts, like we were talking about earlier, residual energy, ghosts going about their business. You're just seeing like an echo of the past. Yeah. So how would we explain this next story? about a guy that gets a glimpse of the future. So, RAF Air Marshal Sir Victor Goddard was a senior commander in the Second World War. 
During a flying mission, he was sent to an airbase in Drem, East Lothian, I hope I got that right, Lothian in Scotland, uh, near Edinburgh, apparently. So he had to go and check out an airbase. So he flies over and he sees the airbase and it's totally dilapidated. The grass has taken over, vegetation has taken over, there's cows grazing on the grass that's coming through the tarmac. Nobody's there. The buildings are all falling down. You know, it's completely abandoned. Yeah. So he thinks, right, I've seen what state's in. I'm going to go home. And as he goes, uh, turns around and starts going back home, he gets caught in a really strange storm. Like, pissing down rain, but the clouds are, like, yellow. Yeah. And the more he gets into this storm, the more he's thinking, right, I'm in trouble here because I'm getting really disorientated and I'm actually worried I'm going to crash. He tries to fly up out of the storm, you know, kind of above the clouds. But the more he flies up, he just can't get past this storm. He can't escape it. So he thinks the best thing for me to do is to go back to Drem and then at least I know where I am and I can reorient, you know, I can get my orientation so that's what he does and as he approached Durham the storm just kind of vanishes and it's like sunny and perfect sky yeah and he sees the airbase that he's literally seen what 10 minutes previous but this time the air air airbase has been totally renovated it's bustling with people there's planes on the ground um, he thought it was really strange as he didn't recognise one of the planes, which was a monoplane that hadn't come out in... This is in 1935. Yeah. So they they hadn't come out yet. So the fact that he hadn't recognised it is totally normal. Mm. And the other planes that he did recognise were all painted yellow, which again is very strange because that's not something they did. Their planes were all silver. Yeah. And another thing that struck him as odd is all the mechanics that were going in between the planes were all dressed in navy blue overalls. And back in 1935, the RAF mechanic overalls were brown, not navy blue. So he found this was all very strange, but the storm had cleared and he thought, right, he was able to fly home without any more issues. And he reported his experience, but there was no explanation (laughs) to what he'd seen so it kind of just got forgotten about yeah however four years later in 1939 the drem air base was restored for use this is all during the second world war of course so they obviously thought shit we need this air base yeah and we need it up and running so they restored it the trainer planes that they were using to train pilots that were previously painted silver, guess what colour they painted them? Yellow. They were yellow. And they had this monoplane that, you know, Victor Goddard had never seen. That was there too. And guess what else changed? The uniforms. The mechanics. Uniforms, yep. They were upgraded to navy blue. Yeah. So it seems that Victor Goddard had simply, uh, had somehow slipped momentarily four years into the future. That's mad, isn't it? Absolutely mental. So strangely enough, as I was saying previously, Liverpool city centre seems to have loads of period periods. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It does not have periods. Strangely enough, Liverpool city centre seems to have a lot of people experiencing time slips. 
So one day in 1996, a man and his wife, they're out doing some shopping. She wants to go to a bookshop and he wants to go to HMV um, to pick up a CD. Yeah. That, that was a good shop, wasn't it? HMV? Yeah. Do you not have HMV anymore? No, I don't think so. Well, that's sad. No, I might be wrong, though, but I certainly haven't been to one for a long time, so... No, I bet, well, nobody buys CDs no. anymore, do they? True that. No. So she's gone to her bookshop. They, they decide to split up. She goes to her bookshop. He goes off to HMV, and they're going to meet up afterwards. So on his way to the CD shop, he meets a, an old friend and they stop and they have about a 20-minute chat, catch up, and then he says his goodbyes and he makes his way to the shop, goes to the shop, gets his CD, everything's fine. Comes out of the shop and starts making his way to the bookshop to meet his wife. And as he's walking up the road, the tarmac all of a sudden turns into cobblestones and everything becomes really quiet. Well, much quieter. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and he suddenly realizes that he's not on the pavement anymore. He's like in the middle of the road as a box truck. Do you, do you know like the old-fashioned trucks? Yeah. A little uh like vintage-looking truck beeps at him to move out of the way and sh- kind of shoots past. And it's got an old-fashioned brand written on the side. He looks around and he realizes people are wearing old-fashioned clothes like from the 50s and 60s. Yeah. And people that Generally, people that have experienced time slips in this Liverpool area, it's always they always end up going back to the 50s and 60s. It's very strange. So he arrives in front of a bookshop, but to his surprise, it's not a bookshop. It's a shop that sells ladies' hats and ladies' bags. He notices there's another girl that's in modern-day clothing, and she's looking around a bit like, what the fuck's well, going what's on? What's going on? And uh, they both go in the shop at the same time. And as they both go in the shop, it just all of a sudden turns into a bookshop again. That's crazy. Yeah. And the man looks at the woman that came into the shop at the same time and was like, did you just see that? And she looked like terrified. And she was like, yeah, I thought this was the news clothes shop. What the fuck's going on? And that was that. They, You know, they were back to their own timeline that's no she thought it it was a clothes shop though she's in the wrong place (laughs) yeah well she saw bags and hats and just assumed it was a new clothes shop yeah all right yeah i was got uh, like two people at once and it's not like it was his wife's just some random woman no it's just some random woman that he noticed because she was dressed you know like well like like modern day modern day and he could see that she was looking around a bit like what the fuck is going on yeah so it was two people that had experienced a time slip at the same time which is very strange it really is would you like me to keep going yeah was was there anything um that happened in the 50s or 60s then that was traumatic traumatic or or anything for that time to keep popping up again I've absolutely no idea, Bex, but that's a very good question and probably somebody should look into it. Yes. I'm not, but someone should. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. <laughs> the next story is about a lady that we'll call Mrs. S. So she'd... Miss... <laughs> I've just seen what the the village that she moved to is uh, called. I'm assuming this is near Liverpool, but I might be wrong. 
So she recently moved to Thingwall. Thingwall. Her daughter. Thingwall. Yep. Her daughter was about four and a half, and she'd been poorly. And it was a lovely sunny day, so Mrs. S decided to take her out for a walk in a pushchair to give her some fresh air, and also to have a look at the new area. Yeah. That she didn't really know yet. So she went up Mill Lane, opposite the primary school. The lane she walked down was tarmacked, but the surface soon gave way again to cobbles. As she walked along, she noticed a cottage on the right-hand side with an old chap leaning on the gate smoking a pipe. He wore a collarless shirt uh, and had his sleeve rolled up. Mrs. S. nodded and acknowledged him, and he nodded back. So he could obviously see her. Yeah. After this, there was a row of whitewashed cottages with hanging baskets outside. On the left-hand side of the lane, there was a circle of country house flowers nasturtiums and other cottage flowers. To one side of the circle of flowers, there was a heap of sandstone. Behind this, there was a row of cottages, and along these was a stable block with an archway. Further on, there were more cottages, some built of stone and some built of cheap-looking brick. And as Mrs. S walking, was walking along, she saw a lady dressed in old-fashioned clothes with a high-neck blouse, shawl, and a black long skirt. She did not appear to notice Mrs. S as she was hurrying into her house. As Mrs. S passed the house, she could feel the warmth from the fire in the range inside. At the end of the lane was a five-bar gate and a little girl was sitting on it. At the time, the programme Little House on the Prairie was popular on the television. What a show. Yeah, it's a good show. It really is. And Mrs. S thought how the child was dressed in a kind of similar fashion. Um, It was it was a popular television show for kids at the time. Mrs. S just kind of thought that she was dressing up like, you know, like she'd seen the people show. off yeah. Little House on the, pra- yeah. on the Prairie. But she noticed that she, as well as the dress and the pinafore, that the child was wearing button boots. Now, she thought this was a bit odd because a modern child would have never gone as far as wearing old-fashioned items like button boots. No. The little girl gave her a funny look, then jumped off the gate and ran into a cottage. Mrs. P walked up to the five-bar gate, behind which was a grassy slope leading to a meadow. She decided that, as this was the end of the road, that she'd turn round and take her daughter back home. As she walked back down the road, the man, again leaning on his gate with his pipe, he was still there, and again they both acknowledged each other with a nod of the head. Mrs. S went home and described to her mother how she had found the old part of Thingwall and how pretty it was. So a couple of months later, the opportunity arose for Mrs. S to take her mother to see the cottages. However, when they arrived, the path was no longer cobbles. It was all tarmac and paving slabs. The cottages, the cottage where the man had been leaning on, on the gate was now boarded up and almost derelict. The stone cottages had gone, replaced by two semi-detached houses. The circle of flowers in the stable block had also vanished. And at the end of the lane, at the five-bar gate, it, well, it just wasn't there. It no longer existed. And down the dip was now in a state of bungalows. Mrs. S remarked that whilst houses were built quickly nowadays, there was no way the entire area could have changed so dramatically in just a few months. Yeah. So about eight years later, Mrs. S is involved in a dispute about a footpath. <laughs> that made me giggle. <laughs> if you're going to get pissed about anything, it's about a footpath. 
So her solicitor um, suggested... Oh, yeah, no, she was serious about this footpath. So her solicitor suggested that she should obtain an 1830 map of the area and check the footpath on that. So after some difficulty due to the lack of dwellings on the map, Mrs. S located the church and uh, then she and the village. And then she was surprised to find that the buildings on the map exactly matched the buildings she had seen on the day that she took, took her daughter for a walk. Creepy. Yeah, it's weird that the whole building changed, like... Some were new houses, and but they were there as um, cottages. So, like the whole wasn't just the people moving in and out; it was the whole. Um, it was the whole area. area. Yeah, she just slipped back in time yeah. to the eighteen hundreds. So that means that he saw her as like a future person as well. Yeah, he he acknowledged her. He saw her, and just must have. I don't know. He just must have thought well, she's dressed she weird. Looks a bit weird. Yeah. What's that weird thing she's pushing? Because, yeah, exactly. But the little girl saw her as well, didn't she? And gave her a funny look and then ran off. Yeah. So there was another woman in in Liverpool. This is a very quick one. So she's on her lunch break and she's just got a sandwich and she sits down on a bench next to a guy. And she notices that the guy is dressed very smartly. And then, again, the atmosphere just changed. It was almost like, do you know on day... Do you know what... Like when there's a solar eclipse, but like only a partial one, yeah. how it goes like it's, semi-dark feels a bit in the eerie, middle of the day. Doesn't it? Yeah, really eerie feel to it. Well, she said that's how it felt. She noticed that even though the guy next to her was dressed very smartly, it was very old-fashioned. It was like he was dressed from out of the 50s or, or 60s. But anyway, being British, we're polite. So... You know, she struck up a conversation with this guy and they, you know, just had normal chit chat Mm. like two strangers would. I imagine about the weather and stuff like that. Yeah. And as she got up to put the wrapper of her sandwich in the bin, she turned round and the guy had vanished and everything was normal again. The sun was shining, the light was back to normal and everything was back as it was. But she said there's no way that in that split second she turned around to put something in the bin, that guy would have, even if he'd run off, which would have been creepy as hell, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. But she, <laughs> she would have seen him somehow. Yeah. You know, even if it was pegging it down the road. But he had, he literally just vanished into thin air. Creepy, yeah. isn't it? Oh, so, I do really believe in that, though. Like, I really think that's a thing. Well, yeah. this has happened over yeah. and over and over. I have and no keep... doubt in my mind that that doesn't happen to people. And we keep coming across it. And I didn't even know we were coming across it until I read about it. And then I'm like, oh, so that's what's happening here and here. Yeah. yeah. Well, think of all the times that you kind of think that you see something weird in the corner of your eye. And then you kind of look and it's not there. I don't know. No, that's just you, Bex. All right, okay. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Okay, so this young girl called Imogen. There's a young girl called Imogen, and she wants to go and buy her sister, Abigail, a few things uh, for her new baby. So Abigail's just had a baby. So she's in town, and she's 
all of a sudden really happy to see that there's a new mother care store that's opened up on the corner of Lord Street and Whitechapel. So she wanders around the store and she picks up a few baby items such as cardigans and bibs and little gloves, you know, the little mittens. Mm. Um, And she was a bit surprised to see how cheap everything was, but she just thought that it was probably a special offer because the store had just opened. So she takes them to the counter. She tries to pay with her credit card. The staff member looks at her really suspiciously and goes to get the manager. When she came back, she looks at the card and she she tells Imogen that they didn't take cards. So disappointed, Imogen went and put the items back um, because she didn't have any cash on her. Yeah. So she gets home and she tells her mum what's happened. And her mum's really surprised and puzzled because the mother care that she's talking about closed years ago. And it, she said, it's a bank that it's, it's a bank now. And in fact, it's my bank. I've got an account there. So Imogen's like, no way. Mm. I went in that shop. So I'll, you know, tomorrow we can go back and I'll show you it. it, it you know, there is a mother care there. Yeah. So yeah. Imogen takes her mum back to the same place the next day. And sure enough, it was a bank. Just as her mother had told her. Oh, that's so strange, isn't it? Yeah. The fact that she went in a shop with shop employees. I mean, this is... It it just... It's crazy, man. And there doesn't seem to be any logic to how... When people are going back. So it's not like... Like, there's no... It's not they're only going back 100 plus years. Like... Yeah. A mother care that... Like, I don't know when Mother Care opened, but, like, maybe in the 80s. Well, what did her mum say? It'd been a, f- a good few years since it'd been there, but yeah. she didn't, you know, you know, it's not an old-fashioned thing. No, but it, for Mother them Care? to not accept card, but I don't know when bank cards came about, but... Yeah, but they were different, weren't they? Back in the day, they, they didn't have to, like, run the ribbon through a oh, machine. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. But for that, uh, you know, that isn't that long... It isn't that long ago that that was the case. Yeah. Look, I don't think credit cards had pin, uh, you know, like little microchips in no. like they do now. But it's so they would have looked. They would have thought. No, I know. Yeah, I know. But it's weird how like that's potentially only like fifteen, twenty years. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like it's not hundreds of years ago. So she wouldn't even maybe have noticed, apart from the fact that her card wasn't accepted. And the prices were really didn't not- cheap. She didn't notice until the next day when her mum yeah. took her back to the exact same spot and said, look, it's a bank. Crazy. It's it's spooky, man. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that it didn't go back that far, it makes it more believable because yeah. if it was just like just to the Victorian era or just to... It's like when people think of a ghost, they're always wearing Victorian clothing or yeah, something. Yeah, no, no, this was this is not the case at all. Mm. And it's this this again was in Liverpool, which is just really strange. And most of the time slips that happen in Liverpool are on one particular street, the Bold Street, mm. which is very. I mean, is the veil a bit thinner? Maybe. You just don't think of Liverpool to be really haunted and scary. But you don't. It's. It's not haunted, though, is it? Is it us just mistaking it for a haunting when actually it's not? Yeah. It's time well, travel. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. It, right, I've got a question. Oh, God, here we go. If you could travel to any time, when would it be? 
That's a tough yeah, thing. Yeah, I'd yeah. probably want. I'd probably want to travel, say, fifty years in the future. Oh, you'd like to go to the future? Yeah, oh, I wouldn't. I'd want to go to the future to see if we've sorted our shit out. I think you'll be very disappointed, so I would suggest you don't do that. Oh, don't say that. Don't be so pessimistic. No, maybe we will have sorted our shit out. I fucking hope so. But there are positive things in the world, and it's it's so easy to get bogged down by all the negativity, but there is a lot of positive things. Yeah. Where would, where would you go, Tash? Where do I go? Or when would you go? When? I think, um, I don't really know, but I'd like to go somewhere regal. So I think it would be fun if I was visiting Versailles or something like that, that I would, you know, walk into the ballroom and I'd be in the ball. That's what I'd particularly like. Oh no, fuck that. No modern medicine and people getting their heads. But babe, I'm not there for long. No, I suppose. You know, these people don't seem to be there. No, no. It's just like a peak, isn't it? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But even um, for that lady walking down that road, like that seemed quite pleasant. She just thought she'd found a really pretty part of the village. Yeah. Yeah. Like lovely. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Bex? Uh, I don't really know. Would you go to the future? I think I'd probably. Go back and see my mum. To be honest, <laughs> while she was um, there, well, I probably probably do that. But if I had to go back somewhere, or really far back, or really far forward, um, probably the sixties. I'd like to see what was going on then. The sixties sound epic. Yeah, yeah peace and love. Yeah, and I bet everyone smelt though. Yeah. <laughs> Why would they smell? Yeah, so I don't think they had deodorant, did they? Yeah, I get the impression they might have smelled. Yeah, they had soap and water. Yeah, but yeah. the whole free Stop. love and that. You've just offended an entire generation. <laughs> what? And I think quite a big part of our demographic is that kind of area. I as well, don't so. think they smell. I think they smell of roses and weed. <laughs> Yeah, probably quite a substantial amount of weed and uh, incense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just think you know, like if you went back to Victorian era, everywhere would stink. Oh yeah, gross. When you were growing up or living, it was smelly because you were used to it, so it wouldn't smell to you. Probably, you know. I I actually think think I'd like to go to like the nineteen twenties. That would be fun. Oh, like the Gatsby. Yeah, like, you know, like on the Titanic or something. I don't know when that was, but that era. You'd want to be <laughs> on the Titanic? <laughs> don't do that. For fuck's sake. Tash, it I said like, it. Known, as as I it said sink. it. And as I said it, I was like, for fuck's sake, Tash, here we go again. Suicide mish. <laughs> You're so weird. I mean that oh, era. If you anywhere back in time. You know that Leo wasn't really on the boat. It wasn't really. No. <laughs> the actor wasn't on there. <laughs> no, but. And while, while we're on the subject, there was definitely room on that bloody <laughs> big board for two people. Yeah. Kate. Slag. 
<laughs> Schlag. Yeah. Hogging <laughs> the doll. Katash! <laughs> right. I want to go in an escape room, but only if it's saw themed. If I can travel back to anywhere in time, I want to go on the Titanic. <laughs> I just mean that era. Like, how fun did that look? Did not the Titanic? No, did not look I don't. Fun. Oh, yeah, miss. Yeah, miss. No, Tash will be on the boat, but like, hi, you guys. I'm going to be back in the future in a minute. Just you wait. Right? In a minute now. In a minute, I'm going to get zapped back. She could save them. Could. She could just, like, oh, you're not allowed to, are you? That's against the rules of time travel so we all know that well, do well we, we do because do we? have you not watched family guy have you no you haven't watched family guy that's weird no <laughs> sorry have you <laughs> back to the future anything the rule is we don't change the past yeah you, you you're not supposed to but there is another theory that so time travel is a thing, yeah. yeah? And obviously people are changing things without realising that they Well, there's some shit anything. they could have changed, like, mate. Hey, but the theory is that that then splits into two different dimensions. And that's the whole parallel universe thing. And then we're in a parallel universe. So who knows? We could be in like 10, 12... Oh my God. I'm telling you though what, this is now opening up a can of worms of me laying in my bed tonight... Thinking, if I wasn't here, how different would the world would be? Or if I was born, but it, but you'd always be here, if Tash. I was That's born the thing. Three days earlier, would I be who I am now? And if I hadn't have done X, Y, and Z, would the world be the way it is now? <laughs> like as if the whole world evolves around me. I don't know if it matters so much. I mean, I suppose there's the whole butterfly effect and everything. But I think it's more in the case of time travel. If you change something when you're in a time slip, then that's when time divides into these parallel universes. As so, there could be a, there could be infinite Tashes out there. I mean, what a great day! There could be a Tash in a parallel universe that doesn't high five people when she's having <laughs> sex with them, and she is having a sad time. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. I mean, the, and the poss- th- This is. I don't understand the science behind it, but this is completely and utterly feasible. It's completely possible. Oh, but which ones are the original? Am I the original Tash? But there's no, there's no original. Oh, this is so stressful. We've got to stop this crap. But it's kind of reassuring as well because is it? Well, it is because you're never gone. You're always there. So say you're in a, I don't know. Say you're in a. I don't know. Say something like a piano drops on your head in one dimension, but it yeah. doesn't in the next. Well, then you're still going. Do you know what I mean? I do, but that's very, very stressful. I'm sorry. Do you want to <laughs> hear my last story? I don't know. I do. No, go on. Please continue. Uh, okay, so the next story. So this one happens in France again. And it involves oh, two. Pardon? <laughs> I said a oh, wee wee. And I just went France for no reason. <laughs> okay. Okay. Weirdos. Oh. <laughs> See, parallel universe Betty is way too cool for that. She wouldn't have done that <laughs> and made it awkward. Do you well, know what I, I const- constantly think whilst we're t- talking? <laughs> <laughs> what she couldn't say? What? 
Oh god, what a pessimistic just... touch. She's having bad sex at the minute and thumbs down in someone. <laughs> no, but like, do you two ever just think Tash is so fucking weird? No more weird than Becky, <gasps> and I'm probably. <laughs> I like catch myself saying things in response to what you're saying. I think, why did I do Mine's that? More when I come back to edit and I'm like, what the fuck am I saying? <laughs> Half the time, a lot of the shit I say gets cut out. I'm like, what a dick. <laughs> and then sometimes I hear Emma crack a joke and laugh to herself, or, or Tash will say something and start giggling to herself. <laughs> We have little conversations by ourselves quite a lot on this podcast. <laughs> it's so weird, isn't it? But this is why we're like, friends. Like Emma's na- classic neighbours joke, which I she made me cut out, but it was probably one of the best things I've ever heard. <laughs> and nobody laughed, and I felt so alone. I think you're internet must we have just completely out. ignored it <laughs> you know when you think oh i think i'm a quite funny person you know we have a good giggle and then sometimes i just think i'm obviously not very funny <laughs> you know when you like question your whole life yeah you're like, who am i i'll be honest i never question that about myself but yeah i do know what you mean well in that instant of the neighbor's joke i was alone and unfunny <laughs> But that's when, so so just like for future reference, when that happens, you then just have to question the people, be like, sorry, are we ignoring my joke there? And then we'd be like, I what? Tash confidence. Oh, that's what I do. I'm like, oh, sorry, are we ignoring that? I'm just trying to get through the podcast. People have tuned in for a podcast about weird stuff <laughs> and murder. <laughs> no. Singing. Not me, not me laughing uncontrollably for ten minutes about me singing. Yeah. I'm wanting to be on the Finn Titanic, <laughs> and refusing to tell everyone that they're about to hit an iceberg and save thousands of lives. You're not allowed no. to. You're not allowed to, and I stand by that. Anyway, Emma, please continue. We're and in yeah. France. Bonjour, oui, 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 bonjour, 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 bonjour. Are you both singing the same song? Every morning, just the same. The morning that we came to the bed, it was so different. I was DDD in. She, I don't know all the lyrics to the. But, like, both recognisable, but put together, like, two completely different things. Do you know, that's another, that's going to be another thing, like, life questioning moments. I thought I could sing okay. (laughs) Apparently not. Why does singing sound so much better in your head, though? Well, in my defence, I've got poorly ears and I can't sing anymore. So that's my defence. That's a good defence. I don't have that. I genuinely think I'm a really good singer. But you are yeah, a really good singer. Yeah, but I don't think I am because sometimes I record myself singing and I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> You're a lot better than we are. And Tash, don't, don't feel bad about it because there's sometimes I think I'm actually not stupid. I'm quite smart. Sometimes I think, oh, I'm all right. I'm not that bad. And then... 
the word OJ comes up and I don't know what it means <laughs> oh, fucking Becky! orange <laughs> when, uh, when I listened back to that this week for episode 20, I nearly wet myself laughing again. She was so serious, wasn't she? What is OJ? What is it? <sighs> I want to hear this story though before we start singing Yeah, please again. do continue because uh, we're delirious. No. So, so two families, two English families, right? They're going on holiday together. This is in October 1979. So it's Len- Lennon, Cynthia, Gisby. G- Gisby? Yep, yeah, Gisby. 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 <laughs> I don't know if it is Gisby, but we'll go with Gisby. And Jeff and Pauline Simpson. So they left their homes in Dover, England for an end of summer road trip. They were going to ferry across the channel and spend two weeks driving through the countryside of France and northern Spain. Lovely. So it was pretty uneventful and it was very pleasant. They were having a nice time. And on the night of October 3rd, the travellers were on the freeway north of Montelimar in -hmm. France, obviously looking for a place to spend the night. So before long, they came across a motel that looked promising. Unfortunately, when the foursome went inside, the staff member they encountered in the lobby, who was a man in an unusual plum-coloured uniform, informed them that he informed them that there was no vacancies. However, he said, that if they took a certain road off the freeway... I thought you were going to say, however, the manger and the stable... Is free, just like fucking baby Jesus. I was going to say, no, Becky, that's the yeah. Bible. I was going to say, I knew this one. There's no room at the inn. No. So there's no vacancy. But if they go off the, off the freeway, they'll find a small hotel. And he was sure that in this establishment, they'd have rooms. So the party had no trouble finding the road. And they were interested to see that it was all lined with old buildings, plastered with posters advertising a curiously vintage-looking circus. The road itself also seemed from another era, cobbled and narrow, clearly not built for the automobile. After a short time, they came across the only building that they had seen on the road which showed any signs of life. It was brightly lit with some men standing outside. Oi, oi, lads, lads, lads! Lads, lads, lads. So, however, after inquiring inside, they learned that this was not... <laughs> what? You're just so over our shit sometimes. Uh, I've just lost my spoon. So... There's lads outside. So, that yeah, there's men standing outside. However, after inquiring inside, they learned that this was not a hotel, but an inn. So on they I mean, went. Is an inn not the they same be- as a hotel? No, I think they mean inn as in like a pub. So on they went. They eventually found two other buildings, one a police station and the other sporting a large sign reading hotel. So that Sounds was the like giveaway. It might be there. Might be there. It was, for our modern era, an unusual looking hotel, only two stories and with a decidedly old fashioned look. But the place looked decent and the two couples were too tired to be fussy. They were relieved when, as the motel employee had promised, they were able to get rooms. As none of the four travellers spoke French and the manager spoke no English, communication was necessarily limited. 
But the force had made themselves understood enough to be shown to their lodgings. They noticed that the inside of the hotel was even more old-fashioned than the outside. Yeah, it's standard for France, isn't it? Like, it's basic, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everything was made of old-looking heavy wood. The dining room... The dining room tables had no tablecloths. They did not see any telephones, lifts, or anything else to re- remind them that this was 1979. Their rooms were in keep- keeping with the rest of the hotel. Large heavy beds with bolsters instead of pillows. The doors had only wooden catches for locks. So the bathroom shared by the foursome had vintage plumbing. Still, the room seemed clean and comfortable and a- and the outdated feel of the place gave it a quaint charm. It was certainly a novel experience. You can just see British people going, oh, isn't this quaint? <laughs> yeah, but I could just, like, I've definitely stayed in places like that in France. Yeah, <laughs> it's all like 60s yeah. wallpaper, floral wallpaper. Yeah. yeah. After unpacking, they went to the dining room where they were served a simple but satisfying meal of eggs, steak and potatoes. Yummy. <laughs> After such a meal, the four had no problem settling down in their rooms for a long, untroubled sleep. The next morning, the travellers returned to the dining room where they had a breakfast of bread and jam and thick, strong coffee that they found virtually undrinkable. I mean, that's French coffee. As they ate, they noticed the other guest looked as oddly retro as the hotel itself. Opposite them was a woman wearing a silk evening gown and carrying a small dog under her arm. Two gendarmes came in wearing curious uniforms unlike any other they had seen in France. The travellers, enchanted by the strangeness of it all, decided they needed a memento of their visit, so Jeff photographed Pauline standing by the windows while Len took a picture of Cynthia inside the hotel. He took an additional photo of the hotel itself. After their picture-taking, Len and Jeff tried to ask the two gendarmes how to take the freeway to the Spanish border, but the policeman, clearly puzzled by the Englishman's um, terminology, just gave classic, well, the classic French shrug. Finally, the Frenchman comprehended that the visitors wished to go to Spain and told them that they had to use the old Avignon Road. Len and Jeff knew enough of the local area to think this was unnecessarily roundabout way of getting to their destination. They decided to retrace the way they had come to the hotel in order to return to the Montelimar freeway. When the two couples were ready to leave, Len went to the manager to pay their bill. He was flabbergasted to see that he was being charged only 19 francs, which would have been about $3 in 1979. Certain that the manager did not understand... He tried to communicate to him that he was paying for all four of them, four people who had eaten meals there and stayed there. In response, the manager just continued to nod. Len showed the bill to the two gendarmes seeking confirmation and they just smiled. Yeah, that's the correct amount. The cobbled little road was just as deserted of other traffic as it had been the previous night. They had no trouble finding their way to the freeway and went on to spend a very pleasant two weeks roaming around Spain. On their way back across France, our tourists decided to make another stop at the same hotel, because you certainly couldn't beat the prices. They found the turn-off and drove down the cobble road with the buildings promoting the same circus. It was definitely the right road, except the hotel was gone. 
Puzzled, the travellers went to the motel by the freeway to ask for directions. The employee that they questioned had never heard of any such hotel, and they had never had anyone working there who wore a plum-coloured uniform. This was all getting way too weird. The two couples drove along the cobbled road several times, desperately trying to find the hotel. But if it was, it was if it had evaporated, leaving no trace behind. One of the four suggested that it had been demolished, certainly at the rates that they charged. Um, it couldn't stay in business for long, but Jeff pointed out that it was impossible for a building to vanish completely in a mere two weeks. The shaken and confused couples finally gave up and found lodging in a hotel in Lyon, which cost them a very modern 247 francs. The four travellers were puzzled by what had happened, but they assumed there was a rational explanation. At least that was what they assumed until the photographs they had taken on their vacation were developed. The three snapshots of the hotel were in the middle of the rolls of film used by Jeff and Len, but none of those images came back from the developers, even though each roll of film had the proper amount of photos. The negatives of those hotel shots had not been defective, they had just disappeared as thoroughly as the hotel itself. What the fuck? And that is the end of my time slip story. Ba, ba, ba. Well, I really, really yeah. enjoyed so Oh, I'm glad you did. the last one. So, thanks for that. I'm really going to be paranoid that I'm going to slip in my time all the time. Yeah, I don't like that it's happened in France. France and Liverpool. Liverpool are kind of void, but France, I'm stuck here. <laughs> we can never leave. Never. never right, should we wrap it up, ladies? Because we've been recording for two and a half hours. Yep. So, th- oh, um, we're on stuff. You can find us there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, if you want to. See previous episode for reference. Yeah. <laughs> it's late. <laughs> Just find us on stuff and give us the old thumbs up. If um, I'll just at least read this part. If you have any hometown murders, ghost stories, time slip stories, anything like that, please send in... Time yeah. slips or like glitches in the Matrix or, you know, just weird what the fuck just happened. Something happened you were like, did that just happen? I'm going to write it in an email and send it to us, please. please. We want to know. Please do. We want to know. The email address is chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com. Thanks for that, Bex. Please send it to me. (laughs) I keep saying I'm going to, next episode, I'm going to read the things that I have already so i need to read them out i'll start reading them out next episode right shall we wrap it up babes because i want to go to sleep yep so as always guys stay safe don't kill people and keep it weird bye Bye.